What if, uh, that's that we're having a meeting today, which is Tuesday the 11th, and our last meeting will be 18th, because we are going to start a special prayer program the following week that will lead us in the new year, really the next week after next next Tuesday. It's Christmas. So next Tuesday will be our celebration. I recognize that um, in the Bible uh, school, you always have Christmas parties. And it's your last Tuesday you have Christmas party. So your Christmas party will be next week, Tuesday. But Christmas party doesn't mean that we will not share some few. We will still have discussion. But let's get ready. And the Father Christmas and the Mother Christmas, and we are going to make sure we get our gifts as usual and do our celebration. It's been a wonderful year, very, very wonderful year, and a year Oh, next week Tuesday, I was told it's PVM dinner. Why should they do that? Oh, you said here you're not having. Why? All right, we can have our Christmas dinner after the Christmas. Because it's not good. Um, oh, excuse me. 19th, next week, Wednesday, is my Jesus seminar. So we're having combined service. So that is the Christmas dinner for both churches. Because those children can, you can't rob those kids. They always expect gifts from their father Christmas. I must give them. So my Jesus seminar Friday, Wednesday, I will give that for for Christmas dinner. We get it now. So that it will be good that both of us, both New Cross and, and Cathedral come together. Isn't it? Okay. Then. So we agree. So we agree that we'll do that. However, today, what I want us to look at then, this today looks like our last meeting. Why don't we look at anything you have learned? Either from Isaiah, from Nehemiah, from anything this year in the Bible school. If you prepared for uh, your Isaiah, no problem. Or if you have other scriptures, I know that you did Nehemiah this year. I'm not very sure whether this is when you did Jeremiah or Ezekiel. All what you have learned in Bibles, just go to any of it. Bring out a story, a scripture that blessed you. And on that, when you are finished speaking, I will expound on those prayers that you So let's just be free. Who is our timekeeper today? Dickiness, you know, she, two minutes. You press alarm. It's good that Dickness is sitting on the center today, so they can easily fire both to the left or to the right. Uh, all right, who is the first person that will break the ice? Yes, first person that will break the ice. Okay, don't raise his hand up unless he, if he wants to. So. Okay, you also raise your hand. Who else? Who? Then I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Who else? 
7. All right, let's hear the 7 beginning from there. 1, 2, 3, and then 4, 5, 6, and Pastor with the last. All right, go ahead. Praise the Lord. an overview of the entire Isaiah book that we reviewed. I personally found the book really, really helpful because being a teacher and wanting a book that able to find simile, metaphor, personification was literally everything I found in the book of Isaiah. Because most of the books that we use in school for literature review, it's like books from William Shakespeare, which were full of witches. But it looks like the book of Isaiah comprises of everything we need to be able to use so at the end of the day you are teaching the child bible and still the child benefiting from english perspective then again the very book that i personally love the very chapter that i personally love so much is the isaiah 60 why because it gives me a glimpse of how my 2019 will be like even though looking at all the turbulence and everything going around us it gives me hope, reassuring that if there's thick darkness upon the earth, but as children of God, as Christians, we are very hopeful that in the midst of the storm, we will arise and we will shine. Our gates will stand open. Even if there's exit or whatever be the problem surrounding us, we are very hopeful that as the Bible has stated, we will not miss it. Well, ours is to just to be hopeful and lean to every scripture spoken. And at the end of the day, it will be fulfilled in our life. Then it ends by saying that I will do it swiftly. It means that God will do it. We need to be patient. It's going to be done at God's own very time. It, it might not be done at the time you want it to be, but surely it will be done. Amen. Praise the Lord. My contribution is taken from Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from stump of from his roots a branch will the spirit of the Lord will rest upon the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of spirit of knowledge and of the Lord. This scripture refers to Jesus, stump of the line of and although the descendants like a tree um with rotten branch, God the farmer when produced sour fruit. He allowed the However, the farmer still wants and from this empty stump of sin and injustice blossoming in this was Jesus. Pure this new tree was pure in pure and righteous everything. Likewise, all us his fruit must be right. This yielded a bounty of good branch and a yield that was filled with God's spirit. Spirit of wisdom, standing, counsel, might, knowledge, and delight in the spirit of the Lord. And that's where we have been given a great trunk. And stem from that, we have our vines front, the apostle, mummy, and all the leaders. But now, as fruit, we have a choice. Will we be good fruit to satisfy both God and all rotten cause just instantly? Praise the Lord. 
My contribution taken from Isaiah 15. I clothe the heavens with darkness and make sackcloth this covering. The last miracle recorded in the Bible was the covering of sackcloth by our Lord Jesus Christ. And even when he was in death agony, people wanted the earth to know that he was the Lord. And he um, did a miracle of covering the earth. Um, for three hours, and the Lord had a chance to do whatever He wanted. He could um, make the light not go, uh, the light um, leave, and it would be darkness for rest. Or He could, um, be, or He could give us mercy and um, give us light. And He chose mercy because His uh, love uh, endures, and now He given amen the Isaiah 14 verse 12 Praise the Lord. Um, my what I really learned, what I really put in the Isaiah 33, verse 15, and I would want to read it. It says, Those who walk righteously and speak what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting, stop their heads against plots of murder and show their against contemplating evil. Uh, what I really gained from there, which is I mean, our father in the Lord, even our mother in the Lord, have actually been pressing it. And several teachings we've received that um, for us to, God Almighty says it's holy. We can, re, can recall what we read in the book of Deuteronomy. Every time God says it's holy. And this verse says, for us to maintain righteousness, says, those who walk righteously. So we should do that which is right should walk righteously before God and speak before God and even speak what is right amongst ourselves. It also says that who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes. I mean, we should not be sides with people who are doing bad and then reject those who are doing good and try to be friends with them. Again, we should not also say if someone speaks lies and say those are truths. We should stop our ears against plots of murder and shut our eyes against contemplating evil. If you find that, if we find that anywhere we go, there is always evil, there is always what is bad being done. That means we too we are working in those evil ways. So we should try as much as possible not to work in evil ways, not to mix with those who are working in the evil ways. For example, our father always reminds us about Psalm one, Psalm, Psalm, Psalm one one to the end, but stresses especially on verses three to five, and then Psalm one one nine verse. 37, then a second, first John 5:18, and again the Psalm 24 that we always read every day, verses 3 to 5. 
It says that the type of people that will see this thing, that will make heaven, that will, that will work in the internal ways of God, are those who do not do evil. So we should not engage with evil, but instead work uprightly and work righteously before God. May the Lord empower every one of us because we all want to make heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Do you know, I was just thinking about the end of the year. And just reflecting on Isaiah to see how um, I can come to some further understanding and get in comfort. And Isaiah 40 is what really brings a lot of comfort to me. And the first verse in Isaiah says, Comfort, comfort my people, says says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sins has been paid for, that she has received from, from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And then I jumped to verse 10 and said, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his, arms, and his arm rules for him. See, his, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanied him. Then I jumped down again to look at... Um, And it was talking about God himself. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, when we look at idols, you know, they're craftsmen that cast it. And then verse 20 says, And and a man too poor that presents such an offering selects wood. And it goes and looks at, when I look at the time of the world that we're in and seeing what's happening, this also brings comforts to me to see that, you know, there's nothing we can compare God to. And and then verse 21 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? You know, he stretched out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like the tent to live in. And then when I jump down even further to verse 25 says, To whom will you compare me, God says? Or who is my equal? Save the Holy One. Isaiah 40 was just full of reminder to me about who God is. And he jumps down to verse 25 and says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired nor weary. And he says he gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. This is what I understood from Isaiah 40. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. My contribution is taken from Isaiah chapter 60, which is the scripture for next year. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I just want to sort of break down Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whosoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And, and uh, the, when you talk of uh, the light of life again, if you look at um, Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? If you go on, going back again to Isaiah 60, verse um, 2 now, it says, talks about restoration taking place when the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I just quickly read that. It says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Then when you look at from verses 3 to 7, it talks about 
all the restoration that will take place when the glory of God is rising upon you, which is in line with Joel chapter 2, verses 25 to 27. So as we enter the year of God's glory and we are now in the glory of God, we have the light of God, Jesus Christ, is shining upon us. God's glory is reflective upon us. They'll begin to experience restoration and God's goodness upon our lives in every way. Praise God. Isaiah 14, and I read from verse 12. This was the fall of Satan. How you are falling from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your hearts, and I was reading through this, I was just reading and counting how many times I or me or my appears in what Satan said in his heart. You said in your heart from verse 13, I will ascend to the heavens. That's one. I will raise my throne, which is three, above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, which is four, on the utmost height of Mount Saphon. I will ascend, five, above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself, which is seven, like the most high. But verse 15 now says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So we saw how Satan fell, and the sin that made him fall was pride. And it's easy for us to be caught up with the same attitude. When you find out that most of your conversation is just about I, me, and mine, you find out that there's an element of pride there. When I was reading that, I read the book of First Samuel chapter 25 as well, when he was talking about Nabal. And this is what Nabal also said in his statement when David sent his messengers to him for help or for a favor. In First Samuel chapter 25 verse 11 said, Nabal now replied, uh, David's servant said, Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my sharers and give it to the men coming from who knows where? So it is easy for us to use that word I and confirming what the Bible says in the book of Romans. The Bible says we should prefer others above ourselves. As we are heading into the year of glory, God will want us to humble ourselves before God so that we will not be relegated as Satan was relegated, but God wants us to be honored, to be promoted, and to be exalted. Amen. Do we have any one more person? Sorry, just to um, uh, join with what uh, our pastor has just said. You all know that scriptures, uh, scripture as well in the book of Isaiah 16, verse 6. We have heard of Moab's pride. How great is our arrogance or our concept, our pride and our insolence, but our boasts are empty. Therefore, the Moabite world, they, 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 they wail together for Moab. 
So you can know the pride and arrogance, like we always know. And I want us all to keep these scriptures in our heart. So when it comes to pride, the church of God, the church of God today, pride and arrogance has destroyed a lot of things. Children getting proud to their parents, parents not doing the right thing. As peers in the church, some are too proud to do the word, uh, the word of God says. So pride and arrogance also bring problems in the, the, the Moabites. The Moabites. Oh, sorry. The pride and arrogance. You know, when I was teaching us this, I actually hammered it very, very well. Aye, aye, like a pastor has just said now. So we must all know that the Bible says that we are servants of the Lord. And as servants of the Lord, we ought to humble ourselves the way Jesus demonstrated it for us. So let us know as we are going to the end of the year, let pride and arrogance be taken away from our lives. We are not very careful. Wives can be proud to their husband. Husband can be proud to their wives. Children, because of pride and peer pressure, disobey their parents and one another in the household of faith. Let us take this on board and may the Lord cleanse us and help us so that we can be able to structure ourselves in the way of respecting one another. Amen. Yes, let me hear you last. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go to Nehemiah. Everyone has spoken about Isaiah. As we're going into next year, we must remember at the end of the year, we will all say the way we serve God this year, da 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 da, da. We promise God everything the way we serve Him. But we must remember to be like Nehemiah. If we go to Nehemiah 6 3, he said, So I send a messenger to them with this reply I am carrying a great project. I cannot come down. I remember when mom taught this. She stressed it for the workers in the house, for your relationship with God, for your worship, that remember that you're doing a great job. Nothing, not even the cares of this world, not even a pair group, not even your friends, nothing will make you look down. So I'm just uh, reminding us, as we go to the end of the year, we go to New Year, people say New Year Revolution, but many of us will promise this, this. Remember we are doing a great job and not to come down. Praise God. Amen. I think I will just um, um, round up what I perceive the Holy Spirit is saying. The, your last discussion was about pride. Yes. Let me read this to you from the book of Daniel. And I want us to recognize when uh, pastor was explaining the pride, he said, I, 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 I. But if you look at what you, you need to understand what the I said for you to identify what application of I can be termed as pride. Because not all I is pride. But if you look at the eye, that eye, the seven eyes, was concentrating on himself in contention against other beings. 
uh, Paul has said that if you want to travel somewhere, say, I will go to uh, such and such a place tomorrow. And Paul said, you must always say, God's willing. So that, because you don't know what you'll do tomorrow, except God give you. But this eye of Lucifer, if you look at it, it's an eye spoken by Lucifer out of a heart of contention over other colleagues. He felt he was better. And then covetousness over the highest throne. He sought to become the leader so that he could be worshipped. If you look at the book of um, that Daniel 4, it says in verse 28, All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my power and for my glory or for the glory of my majesty the word of lord the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven this is what is decreed for the king nebuchadnezzar your royal authority has been taken from you you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass over by, by pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most the, the most high is sovereign over the kingdom of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And you can see the same application of I with Lucifer. The position God put Lucifer is what went to his head. The same thing is what happened in Nebuchadnezzar. Anything you are today in career, in academics, in business, in wealth, is not you. It is God. And if you, anytime you look at yourself and you feel that you are the one who achieved it, then you will derogate before God. And there's a bitter consequence. God brings down anybody who does that. But if you look at comparatively, verse 34 says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. And that talks about humility and giving God the glory. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him. Who lives forever and ever. His dominion is an eternal dominion and the rest of it. So, what God makes you must not come to your head. I was uh, in um, Germany today, this last weekend when I was teaching them about what Christ with Tabernacle is and the Church of Living God. I said, if, if, if the Prime Minister joined my church and comes to me and says, Which department shall I serve? I would tell him to go and serve at the door. He, he will be the best to be an usher, ushering people into the house of God. Because from the royalty to ushering, that is a great humility. If it is hard for him to do that, it's because of pride. I said another thing I can tell the prime minister is to join them who wash the toilet. If she feels what? There is a pride to be dealt with. 
And we must test ourselves in all these things. We must be able to do anything in the house of God. And we must, we must not attach our importance, our position in society or stuff to the service of God. If, you have it, if, you, if it is hard for you to serve in any capacity in church because you think that by your position you are higher than that, that is blunt and uh, pride. Because you have pride that are bogus like this, but the most killing pride is the silent pride, which is, you know, it is, um, it is established by challenges. So, that is one. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, 4, 14. Read that Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you read from verse 11, it says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands. No, let me read from verse 10. Verse 10 says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good, good land he had given you. But be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his command, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you today. That somebody who God so blessed and you think that you can take God for granted. Either you are anointed or you are highly pleased and you just think that, well, God has done everything. I've got everything I want. It says otherwise, verse 12, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when, you, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then go straight away to verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirming his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Now, let me say that in society, I was, I was um, approached by a Christian couple who left the church. You know, one of them is a Nigerian, the husband and the wife is German. And they left the church where they gave their life to Christ. The man gave his life to Christ in that church. And he now brought his wife to the Lord. And his wife went total for the Lord. It's not easy to find a German like that. She wants to do everything. She served in every department. She was so hungry. And they spent 10 years. But all the 10 years that they were there, as the woman began to read the Bible and grew, she started questioning the doctrine. Now, she said to me, asked me, should every Christian be rich financially? I said, no, because the Bible says that there will always be poor among you. Though the Bible also tells us reasons why people can be poor. People can be poor, one, by virtue of laziness, procrastination. But some people are not just given by God. God created people differently. And I want to show you that here. So, but at the same time too, anyone that is rich, anyone that can use his brain 
and use his mind should not think he is so intelligent because it is God who gives the ability. There are some people God will give ability, but they will not use it. And by virtue of that, they will become poor. And God said, when you see people like that in your midst, those of you who are rich, help him. And the woman said that, you know, Apostle, I wish we met you before. We left the church because every day is prosperity message. He said, I'm, she said, I'm a German. I don't care about prosperity. He said she brought some Germans. There's a particular German she brought who earns 1,000 euro for 25 years. He does, not, he does not dream to have more because everything is provided. And that German is somebody who just have contention, uh, contentment. The little he's earning is okay. His satisfaction is not in his money. It's in his ability to use his skill. That is his satisfaction. So because, but because this prosperity message is like, if you are a poor man, you are a sinner. And you are guilty before God. And those who are rich are the more righteous. So it is not so. This is what God is saying here, that when you have a, a, a knowledge and you are able to use it, God is the one who gave it. He gave you the ability to make wealth. Finally on that, because that area of, um, uh, you know, of um, revelation we're having today is very, very, very important. The last one on this is Hezekiah. Look at the book of Second Chronicles 20, 32, verse, verse 24. 2 Chronicles 32, 24. In those days, Ezekiel became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. Look at 25. Shall we read it together? We must fear God. Is that not strange? Somebody who just called on God in death and God saved him. God spoke about his righteous heart even before now. You read that in your Isaiah, Isaiah 36, 37, you read about Isaiah. Yet, immediately when God healed him, his heart was proud and God did not spare him punishment. God will never spare you proud. Pride resists God. It repels God instantly. That's the reason why we must be very conscious in our heart. Um, um, position, Satan always use. Uh, beauty, Satan always use. And because you have people who are not even in any position at all. But they just be proud. You know. Um, contention against authority. The devil always used. Then it says that, Then Hezekiah repented, verse 26, because he knows God very well. He only tried to misbehave. He repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come upon them. During the days of Hezekiah, he, he kicked the can forward like a prime minister. All right, so... <laughs> so, you know, very, very interesting, isn't it? Now, 
Another thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, all the scriptures we spoke about are very fantastic, but let's look at 14.12, Isaiah 14.12, I go from bottom up, Isaiah 14.12, somebody mentioned Isaiah 14.12, and the reason why I want to, uh, the reason why I want to, I want to look into that is because Whenever you read the scriptures, it's always good for you to read a bit before and after in most of the scriptures because they help understanding, profound understanding. Now, Isaiah 14, 12, um, okay, that was um, uh, when we're dealing with the devil. That's what led us to the prayer. Okay, yes, I've dealt with that. Isaiah 14, 12. That one was well read. Pastor David was the one who spoke about that. Looking at the, the, the number of times Satan says, I will, I will, I will. And if you look at it, he's not saying I will as to carry out God's intention. Oh, I will go to church tomorrow. That's not a sin. You know, I will help this person. That is a good thing. But when I will is centered on your ability and it makes you puff up. Or centered on who you are, what you are. You mentioned three things. I, so, I, me, and mine. That is just the paraphrase that describes all that. That is self-centeredness. Like, who was the man who was self-centered? All women should know that. The husband of Mr. Nebel, good. If you're a woman, you didn't know it. Next year, don't miss your Women of Red Destiny meeting. I would together now. Ah, you didn't answer me. I just came from German. <laughs> eh? Let me see your face. Your faces. Okay. Self-centeredness is I, me, and mine. Anything we have on earth, we will die and leave them. So if those things become God over us, we will regret before the Lord. Anything you have that you cannot share, God should not give you. Anything you have that you cannot give out, God should not give you. Because anything God gives you that you cannot share or give out can kill you. It is pride. Because you know when you don't have anything, you can, you, everybody can come over and they can do whatever they like. If you have like a Jalupika, like my Lazarus, anybody can come and borrow it, you give it to them. Yes? But when you have a Rolls Royce, what happens? How much I bought my car? My consent. But you know, it was because of your giving habit when you were using Lazarus. That's why God promoted you to get Rolls Royce. So anything that we own must not possess us. Anything that God makes us should not become our Lord. I will gather now. This is how we can test our heart whether we are working in hidden pride. I can give you several scriptures about pride. You know, but it says, I will ascend, I will raise my throne, I will sit enthroned, and then I will ascend above the tops of the cloud, beyond God. And I will make myself like the Most High. None of us will be a victim of that. Now, after that, Isaiah 60, 
You know, Isaiah 60 overview is quite very robust because Isaiah 60 is a very, very big Isaiah. But, you know, if we look at the first three verses, I think it helps us further understanding. Arise, shine, the light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the seas and thick darkness over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears on you, which is the major uh, promise God has given us for the new year. But if you read from verse 3 to the end of Isaiah, that is promises. It is prophetic. Really, in the new year, this is going to be a key chapter that we're going to be looking into. Then Isaiah 40, 1 to 5. Isaiah 40, we looked at verse 1 and some other verses. But I want us to look at 1 to 5. 1 to 5 in the sense that um, Isaiah 40, 1 to 5. The reason is because if we look at, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been forgiven, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Now, I think that I will connect with what the two young, young boys said. This is talking about Jesus and you. That is the reason why I go back to it. Because this verse 2 tells us that when our sins are forgiven, yes, the days of our hard labor is over. Satan can't take a Christian under hard labor. It's impossible. A Christian can go into slavery of the devil if he chose to do so. And the way Christians go into such bondage is by ignoring the righteous word of God. Do we get it now? But if a Christian, you know, does not ignore the righteous word of God, impossible. Your sins that you committed cannot be basis for the devil to aff- afflict you, impossible. Because Jesus gives you double for redemption. And if you look at verse 3 also, it talks about a man we all know, isn't it? John the Baptist. The voice of one calling the dead shall prepare the way for the Lord, make straight, you know, in the wilderness, a highway for God. This is John the Baptist, exactly what he said in the gospel. And verse 4 to what John quoted, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill be made low, the rough ground shall become low, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know that verse 5 that I'm stopping at? I wanted to stop there because this verse 5 is a joint collaboration between us and God himself. If God says the glory of the Lord will be revealed, we already have seen it. And we are in the kingdom. We are under the glory. But then he went for us to say all mankind. That is we have to take it out. For all mankind to see, we have a duty. And this is the area that um, a lot of us are still struggling with the Lord. That's why when Jesus, uh, his last words in Matthew, in 28, he says, Therefore go make disciples 
And when Jesus healed the madman of Gadarene, he said, Go show yourself to your people. Go tell your people what God has done for you. And we were there on the last um, Israelite, we went to Israel. We went to the gathering. We saw the mountain and the sea where the madman came out from, supposedly. And the mountain where he, you know, he was always living in the tomb. And these things are real. So we have a mandate to take the gospel and go tell people how much the Lord has done for us. Then Isaiah 33, 13, 17 Isaiah 33, Isaiah 33, 13. I took that also, um, let me see, Isaiah 33, 15, 15, yeah, the, the reader went from, read 15, but we need to read that to 17 to have full understanding, all right? I know we concentrate on 15, but if you look at it, he, he who walks righteously and speaks what is right, verse 15, who rejects gain from extortion and keeps his hand from accepting bribes, who stops his ear against plot of murder and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. Now look at verse 16. This is the man who will dwell on the height. So that 15 is not complete unless you read 16. Do we get it now? And that is what 15, the reason why 15 is read. Of course, there were reference to someone, but it would have been more effective to just read this scripture so that you know what the scripture is saying. Now, why? To caution ourselves, reject extortion, reject gain from extortion. As, well, as much as this directly speaks about people who do business, but it also affects those who are employed. If you connive to, to remove somebody so that you can take over the office, you are, you are taking gain from extortion. It keeps his hand from accepting bribe. I think one day I preached in Lagos among the top guys in Nigeria who are born again. And at the end of it, one of these ministers came to me and said, Apostle, can we enter heaven? No, it was a commissioner, really. I said, why? Oh, he said, because there are some monies that they just give to us. We, we mustn't question where it's coming from, and we have to accept it. If you don't accept it, you are... You, you are um, you run a risk of assassination sometimes. And I said that if I was you, I would, I would reject it and wait for the person who would knock my door. Because what does it profit a man? To gain the whole world and lose his life. I will tell you, I won't say more than that because the person told me how uh, that person got in, into it. After they gave the first money that the person didn't want to. But that person said something I told her that you have been trying to build your house for years, you can't. But this money will finish all this house. And if the person thought that was the Spirit of God, because that person goes to prosperity preaching church and justify that the wealth of the Gentile is a mass for the righteous. But this is against 
God's law. Who stops, who stops his ear against plunder, plot of murder? And we also know what murder is. Murder is not just killing people. If you slander people behind them, the Bible says you are a murderer. So we must be very careful at who we, uh, company we keep, people we listen to, and people we accept instruction from. Conspiracy is murder. Assassinating people behind them is murder. And all stuff like that. He shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. That's why it concludes that. That if you associate with any type of evil, you, you cannot fulfill verse 16. Verse 16 says, A man who does what, uh, what um, 15 says, is the man who will dwell in the high, on the high. Who refuse, whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. His bread will be supplied and water will not fail. It won't fail him. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty and view a land that stretches afar. If you want to have spiritual encounter, I think I said it. In, this is what the entrance into the realm of spiritual. Spiritual is so available to everyone again, every believer. But who, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? We read, clean hands and pure heart. So everything the devil does begins from trying to stain our clean hands and pollute our pure heart. And if he can do that, he can hinder us from revelation. Instead of revelation, we're having nightmares and bad dreams and stuff like that. Whereas, if we can just watch what God is saying, we, we, we will have knowledge about our lives. Knowledge, you know, ahead of you. Things that will happen to you will be revealed to you. It makes your life easier. I would gather now. And that's the reason why put it that we should read just those two adjoining verses. Now I'm coming to the last Isaiah 50 verse 3. Not much to speak about that. Isaiah 50 um, verse 3. It says, I clothe the sky with darkness. Yes, I, wish, I want to say something about it. I clothe the sky with darkness and makes our clothes its covering. And that young man said this talking about Jesus. <laughs> That's what impressed me. You, you know, to bring Jesus out from the script. Really, everything that Isaiah wrote is about Jesus Christ. The same thing the book of Ecclesiastes, Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon. Everything written in Songs of Solomon is talking about Jesus. It looks like man. And uh, since I said that um, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is full of metaphors, similes, the whole scriptures, not just Isaiah. Genesis. To Revelation, it is from those scriptures they brought out the principle of learning, the principle of um, philosophy, the principle of um, literature, and you know, which cuts across into politics and stuff like that. They are full of uh, flashback, simile, metaphor, and the rest of it. But if you look at that young man, he says, I clothe the sky with darkness and make sacred discovering. There was darkness for how many days? Three days when he was <laughs> when when he was on the cross. Three hours. Three hours. 
But when it will come again, there will be darkness for three days. The moon will, will turn, the sun will turn dark for three days. Now it says, and what, what gives you confirmation about that? The next verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. That is talking about Jesus. The, to, he wakens me, me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears, and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me. Did you see that he's talking about Jesus? Because when he was saying the sovereign Lord has, you may be wondering, oh, but Jesus is sovereign Lord. Yes, but the Father is referring to a sovereign Lord there. And what he did to the Son, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheek to those who pulled out my breath, my beards. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helped me, I would not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I would not be put to shame. So, you know, I was quite very impressed when uh, the young man, you know, identify Christ from the scripture. And the other one is um, chapter 11, verse 12. And I think I, I will be stopping around that 11, verse 12. Um, yeah, verse 2, sorry. 11, verse 2. There is something that was said by the other young man. On 11 verse 2, that is very interesting. It says, The shoot will come up from Jesse, from the root of the branch of bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord rests upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and, the, and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of God. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will judge by, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ear. But you know, what is interesting to me was that he's saying that this about Jesus was spoken that we happen at the time Israel had departed from God. That's a statement that really caught my attention in his expression. You know, why would God say it should will come off from the storm of Jesse? It will bear fruit. It's because at that time, of Malachi, from Malachi to the New Testament, they didn't hear the voice of God anymore in Israel. There is no thus saith the Lord, no vision, no prophecy, nothing. Can you imagine for 400 years of people, they didn't hear anything about the Lord. How could they believe Him? How could they believe Him? And suddenly, a woman broke their eyes. A prophetess called her, and the prophet called Simon. And that woman who broke the eyes was a prophetess, but she was not hard. Because she was assigned as Messianic prophetess. So she was not a prophetess to the nation, but she was a prophetess to reveal the Messiah. And because of that, you know, she was unmarried for so many years, you know. And then you have Simon too, who never left the temple. The woman never left the temple, prayed daily. So when Jesus was brought to the <clears throat> temple, they were somewhere else. And the Holy Spirit told them that that boy you are waiting for is in the temple. So they came. Both of them didn't know themselves. They met there. 
and then they began to prophesy. Now, the prophecy about Christ is very hard to believe, especially because of the generation he was born. And that's what, um, you know, the young man was saying. Because somebody, that's the reason why we can understand all what Jesus went through. Nobody heard from God. We had Agabus who came up, who was a liar. Every person who came up and said they were, they were prophets, they ended up being liars. And then this young carpenter boy came up and said, I'm the Messiah. How can it be accepted? And then that is the reason why this um, prophecy about Jesus, you know, manifested upon him even from the age of 12. The spirit will rest upon the spirit of wisdom and understanding. When Jesus went to the temple at 12, arguing with the professors of of Bible, they were dumbfounded at the wisdom that he displayed. And that is the fulfillment of, of this prophecy from Isaiah. I think we have done very, very well. I want to congratulate every one of you, you know, for your relentless commitment to the Bible school. The people of Germany spoke a lot about you. I'm sure they, are, they connect us live. Really, your Bible school has become such that uh, on this trip to Germany, we have, I can say to you that we have commissioned CFT Sweden. On this trip to Germany. And not only that, there are messengers who are now waiting to take the gospel to Frankfurt, to Italy and other parts and Spain. You know, but all these people watch this program, this Bible study you do. And I've also received calls from Canada. I've received calls, not only calls, but letters have been coming to me from Philippines for the past, from January. The Philippine letter has been coming and coming and coming again, reminding me we are waiting. We don't have any church we go. We, we link up with the Bible study. And they spoke a lot about, you know, they said to me that we have never seen any place where people look at the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, with such exposition in the area of application of it to contemporary living. And they are so excited. Even people who contested about Christianity that they invited, they couldn't miss this. So, I'll be going to Sweden within the next two months so that the Sweden officially will take off. They are meeting already. They will bring in more people and I'll be going to Sweden. This one, I will have opportunity to announce it on television so that those who watch my program on television can come. But Sweden and Poland is what God has given to us because the family live at the boundary, all right, of Sweden. And the, the left side is Poland. They are 20 minutes to... Yeah, so Denmark, sorry. Denmark, Sweden and Denmark. The woman is a Danish, but they live in Sweden. And Sweden, they are closer to Stockholm, which is their main airport. That is Denmark airport. Than the, the Swedish airport is many miles. Two, 20 minutes there in Stockholm. So at that very boundary, you know, occupying that place is hitting the two nations at a time. So it's a great opportunity for us, you know, uh, to be located at that very spot. And I'm sure that doors will open for many, many of you. You'll be able to go. And I will say to you also that I was watching all your program last Sunday. And I think you understand the prophetic. When the Lord said to me before I left, 
that the calf he has given to me, he's given everybody. And the shoes he has given to me, everyone will wear it. The cap fits every head, and the shoe fits every feet. But I said, God said the next day, your mindset. If you carry the mindset I have, you will wear the shoes. You will wear the cap. You understand? And I, I watched New Cross. I saw what God did. I watched... Um, cathedral, I saw what God did. It's the beginning, as God said to us, the prophetic that he has given us manifests from now. And you're going to see many more manifestations. Shall we rise up together?